Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the PM here on AusBiz, Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company for the next hour or so for The Call, our little share market show that uh, takes a look at 10 stocks that you ask us to uh, analyse. I'll put it to an expert panel for their analysis. Get it all done in 60 minutes. Great panel today, as usual. Gary Glover from Novus Capital. Gary, welcome. Howard Coleman from Team Investors well joining us. Gentlemen, good to see you. And uh, we always have a lot to talk about with these two, but uh, so let's get straight into it. We're into the second week of our Future Fund Stocks series. I've asked our guests to come along with a stock they'd buy today to put in the bottom drawer to help fund uh, your kids' or grandkids' education costs, the uh, the cost of uh, rearing your children. Uh, it's a topic uh, that's being played out in my household at the moment with a daughter and a daughter-in-law, both uh, due to give birth next month. And they're asking my advice. And I said, well, I'll give you my advice, not my money. Um, you can look after them yourselves. So, uh, um, uh, Howard, what's a stock that you'd put into a portfolio to help pay for kids? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got this particular stock in my portfolio, but in my case, it's probably uh, not for kids. My kids are grown up long ago. I've got grandchildren who uh, all buy one grown up too. But the stock is uh, CSL. And there are a few reasons for it. I mean, if you look at what CSL does, most of their business is collecting plasma. Uh, biggest place in the world that they collect it from is the US, but they collect plasma around the world and turning that plasma into a whole variety of different products, some very high margin, some not so high margin, that are used to help people uh, health problems. Now, the baby boomers in all of their main markets, Europe, the United States, Australia, are between 57 and 75 years old today. That's the definition of baby boomers born between 46 and 64. Now, 57 to 75-year-olds are starting to use more and more and more of the products as they age. Mm. And in 10 years' time, that entire cohort is likely to be using at least twice as many of the products that they, they were using at the ages today. Then on top of that, CSL is developing a huge number of additional products that come out largely from the plasma source, but some of them from other sources, um, uh, that in R&D, in trials, in phase one, phase two, phase three. So there'll be a large number of extra products coming through over time as well. So earnings per share will at least double simply from the baby boomers aging. There will then be a further increase in 10 years in um, the income from the new products that come in. And at the moment, as we can see from that share price graph, 
um, CSL share prices kindly dropped reasonably nicely from close to $315 odd dollars down to 286 So you're getting a great company that's got almost certain growth over the next 10 years okay. that you'd be putting away in the bottom drawer. Um, and at the same time, you're able to buy it at a reasonably decent price. I wouldn't call it a screaming bargain, but it's a it's a decent price. And if you're putting it away for 10 years, you'd probably be very happy in 10 years' time. Okay, a good suggestion. Um, Gary, what stock would you choose for a portfolio that you sort of your, your family's future fund paying for kids' portfolio? It's David. Um, so I've recently gone through this exercise of actually setting up an account for my girls, oh. and actually and putting 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 some money as a starting yeah. thing for the for, for, I guess to get going. So I think it's actually too risky to actually pick a single stock. Right. Uh, I, I like the sort of uh, you know that sort of broader sort of I guess go for like a sort of a listed sort of fund sort of style. So one that I really like is Argo. I think they sort of keep it pretty simple sort of pick sort of 70 sort of stocks in that sort of in that sort of top 200 sort of sphere there's normally a mixture of sort of dividends and growth in there so you get uh, some you know some good dividends coming in there so that income's growing so you can reinvest it in the future and just a broad-based appeal so you don't have anyone you know you anyone risking one stock there which you know potentially hmm. could have some you know some risk there so this, I mean, on the, on the Aussie market there, we've had um, like Milton, which is unfortunately just got taken out by Sol Path. So, we've, so we're actually missing. We don't have too many of these sort of style investments out there. You can, there's a few LICs there and specialist areas, but in terms of sort of keeping it pretty broad and pretty simple, um, Argo is the one that probably appeals to me. Okay, that's a really good suggestion. All right, thank you for that, gents. Uh, let's get uh, into the 10 stocks that you've asked us to uh to have a look at. Um, the first one, Howard, is from uh, Sandy, wants a view on the Garda Diversified Property Fund. Um, Sandy says, seems reasonable, reasonably priced, um, seems to have handled the COVID pandemic period okay. Uh, would you call this a buy as re a reopening play and as a long-term stock with decent dividends? Or would you wait to see if there's a fall in price over the coming months? It invests in commercial industrial properties, mainly in in sort of regional and that that second tier property market, how it does it? Mm. Now, the industrial property likely to do a bit better than the commercial. We don't quite know what's going to happen with office accommodation, how it's going to be impacted by people learning they can work from home to some extent. But um, if we look at this company, its return on equity has never exceeded 7.3%. Now, that means your return between growth uh, in share price and dividends over the long term is highly unlikely to exceed 7.3%. It's very difficult over the long term to ever generate more out of a company than its return on equity because that's how much money it's making out of your money sitting in the company. Um, its earnings per share haven't grown. In fact, they've actually gone backwards since 2017. And Retail investment or REITs, uh, real estate investment trusts, have had a huge tailwind with interest rates dropping. The trouble is we've probably reached the bottom. A couple of countries in the world have now announced interest rates starting to rise. Norway, New Zealand expected to do so any day now. 
And um, it probably over the next year, we'll see an increasing number of countries announcing small increases in interest rates. So that enormous tailwind that retail investment trusts have had through low interest rates is going away. Now that's going to be harmful to their cap rates, capitalization rates, the value of the properties, and in other words, harmful to their earnings over time. It's not going to be a huge sudden tsunami that's going to hit them, but the lovely tailwind's going to turn into a moderate headwind. So, uh, and as property trusts go, this one doesn't look particularly good. We've got another one coming up in the show that looks a hell of a lot better. So definitely uh, would be a no from Team Invest members, this one. Mm. Return on equity too low, earnings per share not growing. Okay. Gary? Yeah, I've got to agree with Howard there 100% actually on probably all those factors there. So um, I do prefer the industrial over the commercial. So I think that's that's the that's the good aspect for uh, for this retail investment trust. But um, like a lot of the gains have been made here actually on the property values of, which have risen here recently. So that's potentially maybe, you know, th those cycles will go up and down a bit there. So I also think that the interest rates, I agree with how to, I think they're potentially going to come here. That's going to put some headwinds on some of these trusts as well. And um, so, I mean, the PE is around 18, I think sort of 17 times 23 earnings as well. So I don't know if it's that cheap to me. And um, yeah, I see some headwinds, some risk here moving forward. Uh, it's done pretty well um, in the last year or so. That's That's a good thing. I think it's in the right area but uh not for me i think there's uh, i think there's definitely some risk there in the, in the horizon for these sort of stocks okay all right thank you for that suggestion sandy and as howard said we've uh, we've got a uh, another property uh, fund manager coming up a bit later this hour which um is probably the market leader at the moment so we'll get a view on that that could be an alternative um uh, gary ross wants a view on cadence capital uh, this is a fund manager, sort of like a listed investment company, isn't it? Um, which is a, um, and also a long short hedge fund as well. What do you think of Cadence? You know, it's funny. Actually, this is sort of one that uh, I didn't really sort of uh, know that well. But this is this is actually the type of fund that you might want to look at putting uh, your kids' money into because right. it is that sort of managed fund, sort of a bit more diverse there. But they're they're a bit more. Um, uh, these sort of technicals and fundamentals are a little bit more sort of trading active oriented as well so tend to trade a bit more of the growth end of the market and and also long and short so probably a little bit more risk in there but um does have a pretty good track record which is pretty impressive my only issue is that these sort of stocks really do well when the market's doing well um and then when the market goes through a bit of a weak period um they'll probably underperform considerably so they're probably like a high beta type of move. So if the market's yeah. up 10%, they might go up 15, 20. The market drops 10%, they might drop 15, 20 as well. So right. um, so to me, there's a risk here at the moment because I think they've done really well. Um, but it's definitely one to probably to have a look at there. And I think it's probably, if you think the market's sort of bottomed, you're looking to buy a little bit of beta market uh, risk. I think this is actually pretty interesting, but um, mm. probably just not here. Okay. Uh, Howard, what do you think of Cadence? Yeah, for similar reasons to Gary, I don't really like it. There are better fund managers out there. I mean, this is a fund manager that's got, by as fund managers go, which are capital-like businesses, it's got pretty low return on equity. Some years it's in fact even made a loss, which is 
uh, considering what the market's done over the last little while, quite surprising. And as Gary mentioned, they tend to do, fund managers tend to do particularly well when markets are rising, usually because interest rates are dropping. And then they do particularly poorly when markets drop or usually because interest rates are rising. Now, seeing as inflation around the world is rising, we will probably expect interest rates to rise at some point in the near future, as well as I mentioned previously. And that's not particularly good for fund managers. It's not good for many companies, but it's a lot worse for fund managers. And this one doesn't look like a particularly good fund manager. So uh, a definite no from me. Okay. All right. This next one. Uh, how it is a really interesting uh, company. Uh, Jacob wants a view on Vita Group. Um, Jacob says, uh, bought at 92 cents. They fell on the day of their annual report and I bought some more last week at 79 cents. It's on a PE of five times. They're selling their uh, Telco retail business to Telstra and they're looking to pay a special dividend, I think. This is according to Jacob. It's a screaming buy bargain at these prices. What does Team Invest think? Now, it's always I've always thought it was a, a bit of a funny old stock, uh, Howard, because yes, they ran all of Telstra's business stores, if you like, all of the stores for Telstra. But then recently they bought um, a skin health business, um, uh, clinics for... Uh, uh, for cosmetic surgery and things like that. And recently, I thought, why are they diversifying into something totally different? Well, now they're selling the, uh, the telco stores back to Telstra for $110 million. So they're just going to be left with these, uh, these new businesses they've got into. So it's a company going through a pretty big transition at the moment. Yeah, it is. And from a Team Invest perspective, uh, it's unknowable whether their earnings per share will be higher in five years' time. In fact, in all probability, it won't be because the vast bulk of their business used to be these Telstra shops. Yep. And Telstra, of course, did what big companies tend to do to small companies. They kept changing the rules, making the rules less favorable to the small companies. So um, the woman who built up the uh, Vita Group uh, did a wonderful job for Telstra and then, of course, Telstra decided to uh, be nasty and uh, change the rules and give them be mm -hmm. lower margins. And then they did it a second time. So I'm pretty sure she could see the writing on the wall, hence the movement into other uh, industries. Now, she's a very talented executive. But uh, having said that, when you take a company and you get rid of the vast bulk of where your income is coming from, and you're now in a much smaller part of your business that you had before, Yes, in the short term, that special dividend may be attractive, but in the long term, how do you know the earnings per share this company will be materially higher in five years' time or 10 years' time? In fact, I'd suggest it would be a very, very small probability that that would be the case. So the PE being low is a reflection of that. So seeing as we as long-term investors aren't looking for short-term trading profits, there may possibly be a short-term trading profit here, not my area of expertise. Um, but from a long-term perspective, no team invest members who uh, at one stage, some of them liked Vita Group when they were very important to Telstra. The risk was always Telstra. That risk became reality. 
and um, most team invest members for a long, long time, several years now, haven't been enthused about Vita Group. Yeah, and that that five year chart backs you up, Howard, doesn't it? You know, it used to trade at five dollars, and was um, was so profitable. Uh, these Telstra stores. That's when Telstra start, started to renegotiate. Um, and 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 that's what happens. Yep. Yep. Uh, Gary, what do you think of Vita? And and Telstra stores, I think um, the revenue from those stores, Gary, is something like fifteen times bigger than what comes out of the other part of the business, the bit that they're selling. Yeah, I mean, I'm with how to how the the problem is here. There's too much risk here because um, we sort of don't know. I mean. I, Obviously, the other part of the business, the um, artisan business, the cosmetic clinics, is going to be a growth area, but it's still pretty small. So, um, I mean, really, the I think the payout here is what thirty-nine to forty-five cents for the um, after this sort of sale here. So, so, so there's your sort of bottom in the stock because <laughs> yeah. that's the cash you're going to get back. Um, anything maybe slightly above that and you're taking a punt on the rest of the business but yeah, yeah it's very early here a lot of unknowns um some risk here not to mention just sort of sort of the COVID effects of actually not being in the city where uh, a lot of these clinics might be in the past as well so um pretty pretty risky there so when you saw the share price announcement i think it sold off pretty aggressively um four or five days after that announcement so um yeah it's look viewer might be right here but there's so much risk and there's so much unknown um, yeah. and very little record on the table to actually sort of gauge there. So um, we're not in the risks of sort of taking punts here. We should be you know, taking sort of more better educated guesses with a bit more data, which is going to be, um, you know, provide us with some, with some better answers. And it's, this one's too unclear. Yeah, because it almost, Gary, becomes a brand new business, doesn't it? Because of the $110 million they're making out of Telstra by selling the Telstra shops, they're going to give back 65 to $75 million of that in a, um, a fully frank special dividend, keep $35 million to put back into the artisan clinic. So they're going boots and all into this yeah. smaller part of the business. It, and, it could be the best decision they've ever made, but, yeah. we're, it's, but it's too early to actually right. to know that. And there's yeah. not enough runs on the board here for, for us to sort of... Um, just you know, to see that in numbers yet, it's just too early. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, good yeah. good luck to them. Um, but yeah, yeah, too early. All right. Okay. Uh, Gary Georgia wants a view on ProMedicus, the uh, uh, the um, radiology uh, group um, offices uh, right around the world. Just done a big deal um, with another. Um, uh, it's it's US subsidiary has done a big deal with one of the big health providers in the US, in North America. Uh, what do you think of ProMedicus? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the company's had a you know, fantastic record there of growth there for yeah. the, like the last probably five or six years. So each of those years are sort of growing, growing to, to the point where actually the growth is still pretty robust. Um, so we're forecasting growth, uh, what, 43% this year and another 29% next year. Most analysts are sort of, so some pretty strong growth there. The, the big question mark here is at the moment, um, the PE is 127 times and uh, next year, uh, next year is going to be about 99 times. So we're on big numbers wow. there. But but saying that, this is a company that has delivered as well. And they have signed some pretty good contracts here recently as well, which is showing still signs of pretty strong growth. So 
look, I think it's a good business here. I think it's just all about price. Yeah. Um, so I was sort of looking at sort of technically the charts and stuff there, and um, so I looked at around about $48 would be about a 38 sort of correction off the high in terms of sort of, if you look at the, the range for the last sort of couple of years, um, that would be like a sort of big Fibonacci level. But if it pulled back to around $42, that would be around a 50% correction. So for me personally, if I saw it anywhere near $42, that's probably probably great buying. Right. So um, so, so probably not that... a buy here, but I probably right. would be buying it on weakness, a bit more weakness for sure. So is, there, is this sort of, uh, you're saying it's really well run. So this is one of those stocks that you put on your watch list. If there's a pullback to that level, you just keep a note of it and uh, and wait and see. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably, this is one of those businesses you actually probably would like to own. It's just about trying to own it at the right price, not trying to pay overs for it. So it's, it is hard to buy good businesses at um, on the cheap, but if you can kind of look for, wait for them to fall out of bed a little bit, get a little bit unpopular and then try and pick them up there. I don't, you know, it's a bit like sort of see yourself or how there every time it probably sells off there, you'll probably be in there sort of tinkering, having a little bit. Right. Yep. Howard, what do you think of ProMedicus? Yeah, absolutely brilliant business, phenomenal management, signs long-term contracts. Uh, it, it really is a terrific company, but as Gary points out, it's on a eye-popping PE ratio. In fact, on the way we calculate PE ratios, which is always based on historic earnings, in other words, the most recent earnings they've reported, which is the only ones you know for certain, um, you know, future earnings is always a bit of a guess. But on our, on our measure, it's on a PE ratio of about 179, which is by miles higher than anything else that passes our filters by a long, long, long way. So it does pass our filters, um, it, other than price. Uh, Interestingly, in March, April 2020, when COVID first hit in Australia, you could buy this for under $17. And I picked up some of I'd had it on my watch list for years, never been able to buy it. And I bought some then at the time and thought, wow, I've overpaid. I'm sure if I really had been a bit more patient, I could have got it cheaper. Well, good thing I made that mistake in my eyes because it's done very well. <clears throat> but it's... The current price and the current PE, as wonderful a business as it is, you'd be looking for a, a pretty big pullback from here. So what we really need is some bad news. You know, Evergrande actually collapsing in China and causing a bit of a fuss or inflation going up and uh, interest rates rising and the share price coming down to where it's on a PE that's a little bit less in the clouds. And I'd be only too happy as I'm sure would all Team Invest members, it's very popular, with Team Invest members to buy more of it. Right. Um, out of interest, how many do you have on your watch list for, for that situation? Uh, yeah, I personally um, watch about 50-odd companies. Now, of those 50, I own about 27, I think, it is, which is more than the average Team Invest member. Um, and then there's about another 20 that uh, periodically pass our filters that I watch because other members are always talking about them. Um, most of those other 20 I'm not really interested in. So really the likelihood at any one time is that the only companies I'm looking to add to would be the ones I already own and maybe two others that I really like and Mr. Marker just hasn't corroborated. Right, that's interesting. Gary, what about you? Do you keep on a watch list? How many do you keep on? Uh, yeah, I do have different watch lists. I have sort of leaders 
and I have high growth watch lists, so I have a different mix. But I, I'm probably more active than Howard. I, I, yeah. I tend to don't, I don't sort of fall in love with stocks and hold them for the long term. I tend to sort of trade moves. So I have a risk management uh, sort of style that I that I follow. So if they move against me, I'm, I'm out. If they if they run, then I try and stay with them, move my stop up, and then um, if they hit my right. price targets, I'm I'm out. So um, right. yes, very different from Howard. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Which is why we love having you two together too on uh, on the panel because investing is all about different strategies, where you are, what sort of investor you are. Um, Howard, Robbie wants a view on the National Storage REIT. This is a real estate investment trust that basically owns all of the national storage uh, properties around Australia, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, just uh, before going on to that, yeah, Gary and I have very different investing styles. Mine's one of very long-term patients trying to identify great businesses and then staying with them for years. Like we mentioned CSL earlier, I've owned yeah. CSL for about 20 years and I've done incredibly well out of it. And the other companies I've owned for 15 plus years. Um, so I never buy into a company unless I intend being in it for probably absolute minimum five years, probably 10. Right. But coming on to uh, national storage, um, again, uh, it's another one of these REITs that it's hard to get enthusiastic about. It hasn't, in fact, been making profits. Um, it's uh, got high debt. Its return on equity is negative. Its earnings per share is negative, And it's got high debt. Now, somewhere down the track, it probably will do okay, considering the kind of REIT that it is. But so far, it hasn't. Management hasn't demonstrated an ability to make profits for shareholders. And if management hasn't demonstrated an ability to make significant profits for shareholders, um, when you're a long-term investor, you say, why would I want to buy that? There are 2,200 companies I can choose from on the stock exchange. You know, there's uh, 1,600 of them never make a profit. Well, I can eliminate those to start with. Focus on the 800 that do make a profit and then yeah. cut that down by saying which ones make decent return on equity. And that brings you down to about 100 and those are the only ones you want to look at. And um, national storage wouldn't be one of those. Okay. <clears throat> Gary, national storage? Uh, yeah, look, it's um, look, it's it's had a great year actually. I saw the I think the revenue line was up twenty two percent, and uh, the profit was up you know, pretty strong as well. Um, and they did raise money there to actually um, accelerate some more growth. Obviously, um, that, that, that sort of storage space is sort of has been growing, but it's not particularly cheap here. It's on I think the P is around twenty four current current market and I think the I think they're forecasting growth of around eight point seven percent next year, which is puts it on a PE just under twenty three, so pretty pricey for a REIT here. So it's it's had a pretty good run, it's had a pretty good you know, little spot here. So these things can be a little cyclical. So um, as the sort of Howard sort of indicating earlier, sort of interest rates moving up can kind of put a squeeze on some of these type of um, businesses. So um, I think there's a bit of risk here. I think the it's probably more of a sell here, um, on those numbers, but it's it's okay business, just just pretty pricey here. I'd 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 put it as a sell. Okay, all right. Uh, let's just recap the uh, the five the first five stocks that we've got here: uh, CSL and uh, Argo. Uh, Howard and Gary's uh, suggestions to the uh, to our future fund. Garda are no, Cadence are no. Same with uh, Vita. Uh, Pro Medicus, great company, just 
really expensive at the moment. Gary's saying if you could get it around that $40, $42 mark, which is quite a big pullback, it would be worth looking at and national storage a no. Um, here on the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner, NAB Trade. Any stocks that get two thumbs up uh, from our expert panel goes into the portfolio. Uh, for the week, we're down 1.1% uh, for the uh, month, down 2% since the 1st of July this year, up uh, almost 4% and uh, since inception, the 1st of July last year, um, up 40%. Some of the stocks recently added, uh, Calix, Cogstate, Chuas, Early Pay and NextDC. Some of the stocks removed, A2 Milk, uh, New Hope, Medical Developments and Rio Tinder. You can check out all the stocks in the course portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. All right, let's get into uh, the second half of the call. And uh, Peter wants a view on Goodman Group Howard. Uh, Peter says strong earnings growth rate over the last decade. And uh, Sandy, who was uh, after Gardra, I, I should think Howard uh, saw Goodman maybe as a possible alternative to Gardra in the sector. What do you think, uh, Howard? Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to own any company in the sector of commercial or industrial, um, they're mainly in logistics premises, so it goes under the heading, I suppose, of industrial. But uh, Goodman Group is the outstanding company in its field. It's got high return on equity, um, been, uh, uh, I'm just looking here, five of the last six years, it's been well over 10%, which for a property trust is uh, pretty good indeed. Uh, very few of them only get anywhere close. Earnings per share been growing rapidly. Uh, earnings per share growth has been averaging 16% a year for many years now. It still has the same um, tailwind that we've talked about earlier that will probably turn into headwind as inflation and interest rates rise. But at least you're in the very, very best business in the sector, which is bound to cope very well with whatever it uh, has thrown at it. And it's got virtually no debt, unlike many other property trusts which have very high debt. So, uh, you know, on a reasonable PE, um, it, it's not extraordinarily cheap, but you're certainly buying the best company in the sector uh, on a PE of about 18 is not bad now that the share price has pulled back a bit. So I would say uh, if you're looking at any REITs at all uh, in industrial or commercial property, this has got to be the one that it is. And it's the only one our team invest members uh, have really talked about at all um, whenever we've triaged the uh, companies that pass our filters. It's the only one that gets some yes votes from members. Okay. Uh, Gary? Uh, look, it's, it is obviously, um, yeah, it's got the best metrics in that in that sector. So, you know, yeah, it is, I'm sort of, I do agree with how there's probably the number one stock in that sector. They are, price-wise, I still think uh, it's pretty pricey there. Sort of, my numbers have sort of got it on probably a slightly higher P than, than, than how's indicating there. But, um, but yeah, look, I I just noticed that the, the the stock started to correct here, so it's starting to pull back here. And from my experience here, once the sort of trend starts to turn down, like the minimum you'd pull back would be about a quarter of the range, which is back to about 1850. Um, but a, a normal sort of technical correction there um, might see it sort of come back down to say 1850 as well. So I, I do have a few concerns regarding interest rates and um, 
um, just just the market sort of in a correction mode here and, and a bit of a slowdown here in the next sort of 12 months. I think we've right. gone through a little purple patch of the market here. So I think there's going to be some headwinds on um, in the market here and um, and some of these stocks here. So I, I do think you're probably likely to buy the stock at 1850 here in the next um, six months. So I'd, I'd that's be, you know, I think that that's probably the buy zone for me. But it, I do like it. Just um, I think it'll come a bit cheaper. Right. Are you saying overall you're seeing a correction over the next 12 months in the market, a pullback? Yeah, I think it'll be faster than that, David. I think it's um, we've seen um, what I call distribution signs. So basically, we've seen off the last off the high there on all the indices. So whether if you look at the US or Aussie markets, we've seen heightened volume. So we've seen really some heavy volume sort of selling. So almost that that reporting season, which was pretty strong. Mm. Uh, we saw good companies report well, but we saw them sell off into that. So sort of buy the rumor, sell the facts. So basically, there was a lot of selling into that good news. Yeah. And you got to look at the, the valuations across the board are pretty high across the top 50, um, let alone some of the other mark, some of the other sort of stocks that are probably not as good as quality. So um, yeah, I can see the market pulling back here. I think the Nasdaq and Dow and S&P they've they've tipped over the risk there. Those markets are really aggressive and really high. So. If they pull back here, I think it's going to be a fast pullback here. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're, we're in the best market. The Aussie market's always um, held up better than most of the other high growth markets. So right. lots of good companies, good dividends, sort of more of a value market. So we've tended to outperform, but no doubt we'll get dragged back a bit here. But this will be a great opportunity to buy some great quality stocks, yep. Um, yep. hopefully some cheaper prices. Yeah, almost when you look at it, there's Evergrande, there's inflation, there's debt ceilings in America, you almost get sort of, uh, we're all old enough to have gone through lots of these pullbacks, usually in September and October before, but you almost get the sense, am I, am I wrong, Gary, thinking the market's almost looking for excuses to, to pull back. They're really nervous at these levels. Yeah, one of the greatest the strategies in the market is, is to buy the rumour, sell the fact. And if you go back and look at actually the Spanish flu, um, the market actually went up the whole time the Spanish flu was, was going on. And then when the, when the Spanish flu actually um, cleared, markets actually went through a, like a 12, 15 month decline. Yeah. So it's sort of like it's the opposite of what you sort of think. It's, it's, if you think about the travel stocks at the moment, yeah. travel stocks have gone crazy here. So Qantas, Flight Center, Webjet, Corporate Travel, their market caps are probably at the highest they've ever been and they've barely sold a ticket in the last 18 months. Yeah. So by the rumours sell the fact here, this Freedom Day coming up here, so the Aussie economy now opening up from 11th of October, is probably going to coincide with the top in those travel stocks because that'll be that'll be sort of, you know, the market's open now. Right. Um, that'll, that'll probably be the time to sell them. So you sort yeah. of buy the rumours, sell the sort of opening up, it's, which just goes against the natural order of logic. Yeah. But that's how markets work. Yeah. Howard, are you getting a similar feeling? Yeah, I mean, um, there, there was a lot of very interesting research done over more than a couple of decades, I think, uh, by a website called gurus.com, where they took all the predictions about market directions from all the expert commentators and then saw how many of them were right. And it turned out that, the, that they were about equal to a coin, coin flip. Uh, in fact, okay. the commentators averaged slightly less than 50% correct. So you would have done marginally better over time if you flipped a coin. So whatever I say now, I'm telling you in advance, I'm probably not more than likely to be 50% <laughs> correct. Um, but uh, having said that, 
I totally agree with both of you. There's a lot of worrying signs out there, uh, tapering of uh, all the extra money that's being pushed into economies as well. But uh, in general, if you own strong companies, if you own the yeah. best in the field, what tends to happen is their competitors struggle, often their competitors go broke. What's left behind in market share that the competitors gave up goes to the strongest company in the group. So if you look at the travel companies, oh, I'm sure there's going to be less travel. Again, I could be 50% chance I could be wrong. But I expect there'll be less travel even after travel opens up than there was before travel closed down because some people will be wary and they'll take a while to feel comfortable. But let's say that the travel market only gets to 80% of its previous size. Well, the amount of travel agents, individual people working in travel agencies around the world will have dropped considerably more than 20%. So companies like corporate travel and flight center may well have a smaller uh, pool that they're fishing in, but there are a hell of a lot less fishermen competing for the fish. Yeah. So as a result, the strongest companies invariably come out of tough times, even stronger than they were before, even if after the tough time, the market slightly mm. shrunk. Okay. So if you look at the Great Depression, you look at Spanish flu, you look at all these times, if you look at the best companies in each field, they did extraordinarily well, but the market overall, the index overall, did poorly. So that was a long way of saying, I think the market index may well go down, but the best companies will probably do incredibly yeah. well. Out. That's interesting. And uh, one of those companies, which is a, a favourite of yours, uh, Howard Ellie wants a view on, uh, Nick Scarley, Nick Scarley Furniture, of course, in the news in the last day or so, they're making an acquisition of plush think sofas for $103 million. Uh, Nick Scarley, as the retailer, um, has been a bit of a team and best favourite and really delivered for a long time. Yeah, that's true. I don't personally own it, by the way, um, but it's, uh, it, it is certainly one of the favourites among Team Invest members. And the only reason I don't own it is uh, uh, for a short while, it was one of these rare cases where I bought a company and then sold it not long afterwards, where I got a little bit worried about something that turned out to be nonsense in the end. So I, I regret having sold it. And Team Invest members, quite a lot of them own it. Yeah, the um, one big disadvantage, though, with this acquisition they're making is they're paying for it out of existing debt facilities and existing cash. Now, one of the things that attracted Team Invest members to Nick Scarley for many, many, many years was the lack of debt. They had no debt. They had growing earnings, high return on equity, and no debt. In recent years, in the last couple of years, that debt level has gone up. And now it's going to go up substantially further. So um, from that point of view, it's highly likely that many Team Invest members will now look at it and say, hang on, its debt levels have got too high. Um, I'll rather move out of it and move into some other retail instead. Mm. So um, I think that the business will grow. Their earnings will grow. They're talking about it being earnings per share creative even in year one. But Team Invest members are quite cautious when it comes to debt. We're all, well, nearly all of us tend to be old enough that we've seen the damage that debt does to businesses many times in our lives. And um, 
they'd now probably be looking at, I can't speak for our other members, we haven't had a meeting since they made the announcement, but my guess is many members will now be saying, hmm, debt levels are getting a bit high, I think it's time to get out. Okay, all right, Gary? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, before the acquisition there, there was obviously um, some concerns here with the growth there, because I think most analysts forecasts have sort of got uh, pretty much a sort of flat line here for the next couple of years. Um, I just sort of noticed historically there, the stock has traded sort of uh, roughly between nine and about 14 and a half times. So at the moment, we're sitting on around 14 times. So probably sitting at the higher end of where it has traded historically. So from a value point of view, it's probably not um, not cheap here. Um, probably good news in a way that, um, you know, it's made an acquisition there, probably looking for a bit more growth. So that's probably a positive, which is probably the reason why it's up here. Um, but I'm probably with Howard here. I think there's a little bit of risk here in this one. So I just don't think it's particularly cheap here. It's probably something I might look at if it was, a, you know, that down the lower end of that range. But I think it's, you know, at, at the higher end here currently. So okay. um, just not a value opportunity for me. I think it's, yeah, it's probably trading on fair or full price here, I guess you might say. Okay. All right. Uh, Harry wants a view, Gary, on Sonic Healthcare, the big diagnostic um group pathology group really benefited from uh, from covid in fact uh last financial year they did 30 million covid tests across its 60 laboratories uh globally uh became australia's largest non-government covid19 vaccination provider um as well so uh certainly benefited from covid significant increase in earnings and revenue last financial year. What do you think about now, Gary? Yeah, so it's been a big beneficiary there, which is obviously great there. I, I do like um, Sonic Healthcare there. It's just, it is um, pretty pricey here. Um, I think the, most analysts have sort of got it tapering off here again the next couple of years, just, just don't see those sort of numbers um, continuing, which is which is understandable there. So it's on about uh, 19 times um, 22 earnings and then probably around 24 times um, next year's earnings. So it's a stock that I probably, um, I am looking at there, but I'll probably look to try and buy this one on a bit of a dip there. I, right. I sort of noticed that um, I think $32 would be about a 50% correction in terms of this last leg up here. So that'd be my ideal sort of wish list buy, but it might be, you know, maybe maybe closer to 35 is, I think about a 38.2 retracement, which is probably more normal um, but yeah, somewhere between 32 and 35 is probably where I'm looking to buy the stock here. But right. there's reasons why the stock will come back here, I think, and it'll probably, I, I imagine it'll drift off here, but still a great business there. Just mm. had a great period mm. now, so yep. yeah. Uh, probably missed the peak of it. Um, uh, Howard, what do you think of Sonic? Yeah, extremely well-run business. Uh, and it had been pre-COVID growing at about 5% a year and looked like it could carry on going you know, doing that for another decade. So a, a growth business, but not a fast growth business, but a steady, uh, reliable uh, stock where you could not worry about what could happen in the future. You know, it was all mm. pretty much okay. Um, then it suddenly shot up, as you mentioned, because of COVID. So the question is, how much longer will that continue? And the chances are this financial year till June 22, um, the chances are that it will have another fabulous year from COVID tests all around the world. What they're after, who knows? My guess is that will tail off uh, and that probably won't be uh, giving it a big boost. 
So um, on that basis, assuming it goes back to its old trajectory, it's not cheap, as Gary mentions. Now, if you believe COVID testing is going to be necessary for many years, then it's probably quite cheap. But if you don't and you think that, you know, maybe another year or so, and then we probably won't be doing all this COVID testing anymore, uh, we'll only be testing people with symptoms. Uh, in that case, it's pretty expensive. And um, uh, as Gary says, you know, if you could buy it significantly cheaper, you'd look at it. Uh, I would probably want it to come down, you know, from a team invest perspective, even further than that. But probably at somewhere around about $30, it would look reasonable because uh, pre-COVID, it was in the mid-20s or so. Um, it's probably grown another 5% two years or three years since then. So uh, a high 20s, perhaps $30, anything more than that to me seems expensive. Yeah, yep. particularly when we're going into uh, rapid testing and home testing as well. That seems to be the next phase. Um, Mark wants to view Howard on Newcrest Mining. And Mark's specific question, does this compare to Northern Star Resources, Newcrest I think before the Northern Star Saracen merger was our biggest gold producer. 2.1 million ounces of gold it produces a year, 142,000 tonnes of copper. Um, Howard, what's your view on Newcrest? Yeah, um, it's a very different business to uh, Northern Star other than the fact that they both produce gold because firstly it produces quite a bit of copper as well, which Northern yeah. Star doesn't, but it's got very little growth. I mean, uh, Newcrest has been producing roughly with a tiny little bit of increase, the same amount of gold year after year after year. Um, Northern Star has been very, very rapidly increasing its gold production. Now, the problem with gold, of course, is it's a wasting asset. Any mine you've got, you've got less gold left in the ground after every ounce of gold that you take out of the ground, there's now one ounce less uh, in the ground. So unlike it, you know, Woolworth selling a tin of baked beans, it doesn't stop them getting another tin of baked beans. When uh, a gold miner sells an ounce of gold, it's, it has one less ounce to sell in the future. So the problem that they've got with a wasting asset is unless they can be increasing their gold production, they are totally reliant on the price of the commodity. Now we've seen gold prices go up quite substantially. If interest rates go up, gold prices will come down again. Now, um, that will mean if you're producing the same roughly 2.1 million ounces and the gold price comes down, your earnings per share will be going down. The only way you can increase your earnings per share is to produce more gold. And there's no real sign that Newcrest has massive opportunities to increase. It could increase a bit. I'm not saying there could be zero increase, but I can't see it doubling the amount of gold it mm. produces with, without spending billions of dollars to do so. So. Um, it's a no for me. I mean, it's hard to get enthused. It's it's only once in 10 years had a return on equity of 10% or more. Right. And that in itself tells you it's not a great business. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Gary? Yeah, look, I agree with Howard in terms of um, Northern Star being a better business than Newcrest. Um, but I, I sort of, I, I actually watching the gold stocks really closely at the moment, just because most of the gold, when the gold prices come back sort of to retest the recent low, all the gold stocks have actually come back and just broken below previous lows as well. So just a bit of a key sort of technical zone there. Um, I've got my concerns here regarding the, the overall market. We might be going through a bit of a bearish phase and obviously some inflation concerns. And um, so just notice that uh, this, um, yeah, in that sort of commodity um, sphere, we're seeing, you know, some commodities will have a great run and then they cool off and we've seen 
you know, obviously, um, you know, oil, gold stock, sort of, um, you know, lithium and uh, oh, even iron ore, sort of yeah. some big moves and pull back in. So seeing a lot of volatility within that sector there. So we're definitely sort of creating some opportunities. So I think gold's one of those ones that's pretty um, on the nose, out of flavor at the moment. So I'm just watching the gold stocks here. Just, I love seeing, you know, these sort of stocks go to new lows and then if, if the buying steps in there and then we sort of start to see some strength there, uh, that's when you can get a decent move here. So gold's one of those, um, yeah, is, is, the, is the one area I'm looking at at the moment. I'm quite interesting. I haven't, I haven't actually bought anything, but I do think Ucrest could be a buy here, but I, I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I, I'm very interested here. I just want to see uh, some more accumulation sort of, um, you know, just some volume characteristics that sort of tell me that gold stocks are getting accumulated and just see a little bit of strength there but it could be early stages here for gold yeah so of the gold sector would newcrest be the one you get into sort of the the, um, the question from uh, mark was compared to northern star which would be uh yeah so the ones i'm looking at actually i'm looking at uh, northern star and evolution um right. i quite like degrees probably just because i've had a few good wins in there in the last few years um, and Silver Lake as well is the one that looks interesting technically. It probably has held up the strongest to me. So right. um, that's sort of, you know, in a strong position technically as well. So Newcrest is just because Newcrest is in that sort of um, large cap there, more sort of safety, you might sort of say in there. But um, right. it's probably number, pick number five, I would say. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Howard Joel wants a view on Accent Group, another retailer. Um, Accent owns uh, largely footwear brands, Athletes Foot it owns, uh, Hype, Platypus, Vans, Doc Martens, Timberlands. Um, how do you rate it as a retailer? Yeah, a couple more. There's sketches, there's a couple, a huge number of them. Uh, yeah. I personally own stock. I've owned it for a number of years, been extremely happy with it. I've done extremely well out of it. It is an extraordinarily well-run retailer, and it's got even better since Daniel Agostinelli has been running it. Great board, all with huge amount of retail experience. Um, it's the kind of board that you look for when you look for a board of a company. Do these people actually bring expertise that are going to add to the strength of the business, or are they purely appointees, supposedly from a governance point of view, Governance usually means we're going to dot all the I's, cross all the T's, but haven't a clue about anything to do with how to run the business. Um, and, um, you know, uh, if you ever wanted a, uh, a board that would be ideal for a retailer, you have a look at uh, Accent Group's board. It's ideal for a retailer. And hardly surprisingly, the company's done extremely well. So um, strangely, they got a a, a no vote against their REM report at the last annual meeting, annual general meeting, which is weird when you look at how well structured their REM uh, structure, remuneration structures are to generate the kind of results shareholders would look for. But once again, it was one of these uh, governance metrics crowd who proxy advisors who um, really don't understand business but want to have a set of rules that uh, boards have to stick to. So uh, any shareholders out there who are watching the show, read the remuneration report, decide whether you think that's the right thing for the business. And for goodness sake, if you didn't vote as retail shareholders last year, vote this year so that they don't mm. get a problem again this year. Yep. Okay. So would you be buying it at these levels? 
Yeah, in fact, it's not bad at the moment. I'm actually not simply because I've got a huge amount of them already. So uh, I wasn't looking to add to them. But, uh, you know, the current price is not bad. Um, you have been able to pick it up at sort of around 210 to 215 recently. And at that price, it's quite good going because it has mm. been as, as high as the mid 250s and, and, and higher. Um, got a good dividend yield even at its current price. Yep. Uh, Gary? Yeah, actually, I mean, after having a close look at this, uh, the question I, I posed to myself here was, why aren't they trading on a high multiple? Because, um, I mean, the shares, um, they historically trade between about 11 and 18 times, and currently, um, I, I know there's a bit of a tapering off this year, but they're expecting to bounce back there post-COVID there, so the 23 numbers are pretty strong. So it puts on around about 12 and a half times, so reasonable value there. The, the, the shares have come back from the 308 high, so back into the... Yeah into the low twos there. So it look, looks pretty interesting to me. So I thought, oh, okay, this is sort of in a market which is pretty hard to find uh, value and stocks trading at the lower end of their price bands. Yeah. This is probably one to have a look at there. And maybe the reopening trade is, will be better for these guys. Yeah, I just, the, the only negative I sort, of, I sort of saw there was that we've got 500 stores, we've got 19 brands, that's, that's all fine. We've got 20 different online platforms as well. So. Right. Um, so that's that's my concern there. But uh, look, there's some great brands in there, and I, I imagine they once we're able to go back in the shops, they're probably probably going to be probably pretty positive actually for this group here. So I think there's some value here. It's pro probably a buy for me. Okay, all right, good one to end on. Uh, Gary Glover from Novus, uh, great to have you coming here today. Really appreciate your input. Likewise. Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Always great to catch up with you two. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks. They, they are terrific, aren't they, both of them? And, and as I said before, very different investment styles, which is why I love having them both on at the same time. Uh, just to recap the, uh, the final five stocks, um, Goodman Group, a, a yes from Howard. Um, Gary saying, Gets back around that $18.50 mark, $18.50, look at it then. Nick Scarly, a no from both, because uh, it's sort of really highly valued at the moment. Nick Scarly has been or is in the calls fantasy portfolio uh, because it didn't get a hold or a buy from this panel. It goes out of uh, the calls portfolio as a result. Uh, Sonic Healthcare, um, good company. Uh, really ritzy price at the moment. By Gary would be interested around $32 to $35. Uh, otherwise, a no from, uh, from Howard and Gary. Uh, Newcrest, a no from both. Uh, they prefer Northern Star to Newcrest. And, um, and also, Gary likes Silver Lake um, as an option in that gold sector. He thinks that all of that gold sector looks quite interesting buying at the moment, as Gaurav Sodhi did. Um, yesterday, if you're watching on Ausbiz, uh, yesterday morning, Gorab was saying you buy these sorts of commodity stocks when they're a bit out of favour and gold stocks are out of favour at the moment. So um, he's focusing on them as well. And Accent Group is a yes from both Gary and Howard and that goes in the calls portfolio as a result. Um, that's our show for today. If you've got these stocks you'd like me to put to our panel, uh, put them in an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or via Twitter at TV is the handle. If you want to take a look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio, you will find them. 
at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio.